Creepy Uncle Joe? Bernie Sanders? William Weld? Could any of these guys unseat Trump? Could anyone at all? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I usually try to get to the really important stories of the week, the thing that is going to have a major impact on the rest of our lives. And I'm telling you, the news this week was just full of creepy Uncle Joe. It was so weird that Joe Biden's uh, strange behavior took the center stage for this whole week when I'm sure there was lots more going on. And uh, to add a little spice to it, there was a little tete-a-tete between Joe and Trump. And the, the basic story is that and this is not a new story. Like the video I was looking, the video compilation of creepy Uncle Joe is two years old already. So uh, he, he, um, the story with him is that he touches women inappropriately. And when you look at these videos, it's, it's like he has a hair fetish. I mean, I think that's basically what it is because he's doing this to, I'm sure one of the women I saw had to have been over a hundred. I mean, she was just old and totally creeped out. Then there's a little, little girl, couple of little girls. He gets so close, but it just, it really looks like he's smelling their hair. And there was one where he's just, hanging on to Hillary Clinton. They're coming off a plane. If you've seen any of these compilations, you've probably seen this one where like he's at the bottom of the stairs and he's like got her around the waist, which I'm sure who knows what apparatus she has under those pantsuits. Nobody wants that. And so he's like holding on to her. She's clearly trying to get away. And what it actually, I could see. So the question is, does that disqualify him? It definitely does not disqualify him because he's 35 years old and presumably was born in this country. So that doesn't disqualify him. Uh, But and and does it even like rise to the level of sexual harassment? I don't really think so. But I will tell you this. What you could see there and what I've noticed, because I've. In in the day, I've had really more than my fair share of sexual harassment. And a lot of times what they're doing is they're, they're making inroads. And it doesn't look like this ever went anywhere with him. So that isn't what he was doing, I don't think. But they're making inroads by kind of invading your space and daring you to kind of push back or react and... You're not because they're in a superior position and you don't want to be rude. So you give them the best possible reading and they're they're literally preying on your good manners. That's that to me, that's at the heart of sexual harassment. And then as they take more and more liberties at a certain point, you feel like, oh, I, I guess I should have like drawn the line but you know i was giving him the benefit of the doubt and that's what i tell my daughter i'm like if you ever feel like the slightest bit weird you're right and you need to just say hey you know get out of the situation or say feel weird or whatever because if you let that go then you somehow they always end up saying to you like what 
you, you know, you're all so, you let me smell your hair. <laughs> so, uh, unless people say he did take it the next step, I, I don't have any reason to think that. Uh, and, and here's the thing about what disqualifies a person. The, the foibles and quirks that people have, and everybody has them, is really is only as important as the media wants it to be. So they can, they can ignore the most important stuff and they emphasize stuff that really isn't that important. And if you, if you peel the onion one more layer, you realize there's a reason for that or certainly uh, having something in the closet for safety's sake is kind of a must potentially. I mean, this is how I think it works. So you let's assume that my premise is correct, which you don't have to assume. We're going to go down the rabbit hole for a little while, then we're going to climb back out. But let's just go down the rabbit hole for a little while. So you can, they, you're being selected. If you're, if you're in that position, you're being selected. And why do they, why will they select you? Well, they'll select you because you can win, but also because they control you. See, that's what I think kind of happened with JFK and Nixon and Reagan, they were in there. They were selected. They were part of the scene. And maybe even Gerald Ford, uh, although in his case, Nelson Rockefeller was his VP, so that is probably reason enough to get shot at. But with the other guys, I think they were real insiders, but they couldn't be controlled because they were also real men. And I think that's why Watergate was a coup. JFK's assassination was a coup. And um, the attempted assassination of Reagan, I think, was an attempted coup. And maybe even an effective coup because he was different after that. But my point is that they they need to be able to control the candidate, the the elected person. And so so they bring out or suppress whatever. And and the they that I'm talking about is that is the place not not getting any higher than this, but the place where money and media meet, wherever that place is. It's a place above the parties, and it's a place that, that brings in a lot of factions, defense spending, um, debt, so that, you know, interest spending, all this kind of stuff. Um, who's benefiting from the power of government? So I believe that the media and where media money meets, they kind of structure how they want these things to go and what they want to emphasize were not emphasize about candidates. And, and I look at the Joe Biden thing, and I feel like in this early stage, since media is a big part of this, it could be that every week or every month, they're just going to highlight and maybe take down one after another of the, I think now, 20 people who are running for president for 2020. And I, and I look at someone like Joe Biden, and my gut tells me that a white guy is not getting the Democratic nomination this time around. I just don't see that happening. Be, and, and for one of two reasons, either because, you know, you just see all this identity politics coming around and intersectionality where like you have to ca- you have to be able to check a couple of boxes, sex or sexual orientation and, um, an ethnicity or a, an oppressed creed or whatever. You have to have like some boxes to check uh, victim boxes. Is that a way to put it? Or just a, uh, an under uh, underdog box. So if they so that seems to be what's happening in the Democrat Party, and if they want 
So they either they might actually want that or maybe they want that. Ultimately, they think that the entire country isn't ready for that. The Democrat Party is ready for it, but that if they actually get that person out there whose main selling point is identity. And you'll hear them say that. Like, if you see a black woman, you should trust her. Wasn't that a Stacey Abrams? Binkley, my producer's here. Binkley, you've played us a lot of clips over the times where I think it was Stacey Abrams who said, it was it or was it Kamala Harris? Like, if you see, you should trust, when you see a black woman, you know they are coming from a place where you can trust. Stacey Abrams and her campaign people have said a lot of things kind of like that. Yeah. So so that, I think, works on the Democrat side. But is that going to swing the whole country? And I feel like with Obama, it did swing the whole country because we had a lot of hope that that his presidency would put racial division behind us. And I, and I don't think that's what we're looking at now. So I don't think they can necessarily count on that swinging the whole country. But so, so the way I see it is that you're going to have a person of intersectionality versus Trump. And who does, who do the, which one of those is the powers that be going to select and why? And the way I look at it, you, they might actually want Trump because the ideology of tyranny is division. And that can only happen in a democracy where they get people fighting against each other instead of looking up and seeing that all the guys at the top are are increasing the debt, are increasing the wars, and it keeps us distracted. Now, it would also work if you flip that and you put the person of intersectionality up there, maybe somebody who's kind of um, antagonistic, combative, like Trump where you get a Jesse Smollett thing, where you see this, this, the embodiment of the dialectic and that a person is both of privilege and a victim. And that, that might, you know, if you, if the goal was to kind of oppress and antagonize the MAGA hat crowd and you put that person in, it would certainly, there would be conflict domestically. But, if you look at the foreign policy element, I can see that Trump would be the one that they would want for this reason or the kind of macro stuff. Because for one thing, if if the economy is going to blow up because of longstanding policies of zero interest rate and stuff that has to kind of never really correct it. And I'm not 100 percent sure that that powder keg is still going to explode. The debt is what worries me the absolute most. And if there is rising interest rates, that's going to be devastating fast. So I worry about that. And I just wonder who's going to be holding that powder keg when it explodes. They probably need another term for Trump if they want him to be the one to hold it, at least. But I think he might be there to light a powder keg that then a Democrat can take in the foreign policy arena. So stuff he's doing seems rather antagonistic and maybe maybe he, one, two more years is going to be enough for him. But declaring the Golan Heights for Israel, uh, he's probably going to veto the the resolution to get out of Yemen. And he even proposed, I think, reproposed categorizing the Islamic Revolutionary Guard of Iran as a terrorist organization. And these th- and plus what's going on in Venezuela, these things will if they create. Um, action abroad, another war or whatever you want to call it, and it's fully 
engaged by the time he leaves office, a Democrat could take over and we would all agree, well, once you start it, you got to finish it, you know, but it would help the Democrats maintain that uh, anti-war thing, which Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is trying to act like she's one of those. But they can afford to have one or two people like that. But the, the reality is, I think they're all on board with what that that big money wants. So do we. Uh, so what who they want up there matters. But it's not. They can't just cram it down your throat. So what we want, what what the zeitgeist is, what the people are feeling also really matters. So we need to look at how we can affect it or just which way the wind is blowing. Is this really Trump's to lose as the economy continues to do well, for example, or is it is it a no brainer? He'll never get a second term. So I want to know what you think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. Everything you do is being watched by some all-seeing eye. On News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB. Talking about whether you think anybody really poses a threat to Trump right now. And, and maybe you think it's obvious he's going to get, he's going to be booted. I do not think that is obvious. 404-872-0750, wsb talk I'm going to Mike in Claremont. Hey, Mike, you're on with Monica. Thank you, Monica. You were talking about Trump regards to foreign relationship, and I think about North Korea. I spent a tour overseas, and I was in Japan, Korea, and Philippines, and things like that. They always had that nuclear threat over their head. I'm not saying it's not over their head, but the first time, there's there's daylight. And when I say daylight, it's, it reminds me of retail. Although the last time they say when he went to Vietnam, he didn't accomplish anything with North Korea, but they did. He exposed North Korea to the type of economy that he could have in North Korea should they come on board with Trump. So all of a sudden he's had his appetite wet. So I think that not only is Trump great with the the financial aspect of it, but his foreign policy has got more credence to it than anybody. And it's refreshing that we have somebody in there that really does have a pair of gonads. But uh, <laughs> you, you take a look at NATO. NATO wasn't paying their fair share. Our friends, as well as our enemies, we're all thinking about it. China has just been playing us like we My show, Mike. I'm a lady. You're working blue. I didn't know it was a bad word. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding around with you. Just trying to inject a little levity. Um, okay. I got no. I'm only kidding around with you. I uh, I have to take a break, but I want to respond to both uh, the North Korea thing and the NATO thing. I have a little bit of a different take on it, but I love your take, and I'm going to respond to it after the break. Thanks, Millie and Mike. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. And now for something completely different. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I am your libertarian voice on WSB. Saturdays from 3 to 6. Talking about could... What's your gut on if Trump is a shoe in in 2020? If they, I don't even care about that. Can anyone really beat him? If is the strategy from the other side, which I think is going to be to emphasize identity, is that a strategy that can win the nation or just the Democratic primary? Uh, and on the other hand, didn't James Carville, the great 
the I mean, great as in uh, intelligent, insightful, Machiavellian Democratic operatives say that it's the economy stupid. And with this week's good economic news and the stock market uh, continuing to make people rich, a little choppier than it was, not as high as it was, but um, people don't like to rock the boat. So there's a chance that that's what's going on. I just had a call before the break from Mike who said that he thinks Trump is doing a great job on North Korea uh, and NATO. And I I do have, I like to peel the onion. I like to propose possible deeper motives that it's not simply Trump being Batman and having a great foreign policy and just seeing something that he needs to fix and fixing it or going in strong or whatever, that there might be some stuff a little deeper. And one thing I wonder about North Korea and Vietnam and some of those countries is I believe I I might've read this somewhere or pieced it together, but it's just something to watch out for when I have a hashtag WTWOF, what to watch out for is if China is kind of losing its productivity because their wages are going up and they need places to have to put their factories where the wages are still rock bottom and communist places, places who have not experienced the uh, great productivity improvements of the past decades like Vietnam or North Korea may be really a place where China would want to exploit for cheap labor. And maybe we we help them do that somehow by breaking down the barriers. I don't know. And then the other, I hope for the best. I hope that we're what we're looking for is just a, a free market. But I have a feeling that North Korea would be captured by China, and uh, if they if they were to open up and NATO, uh, I worry about about encouraging a lot of other countries to ramp up their defense spending. I think they should pull their own weight. I, I'm not a fan, actually, of NATO. I think um, I would be what the founders might call a continentalist, that your your allies are really at your borders. We have a couple of oceans and a couple of countries, and from there we can defend ourselves, and we have no business being way out there. But And, you know, if one, somebody in NATO goes to war... We have to go to war with them. Turkey is still in NATO. What are you going to do then? Uh, uh, then do you just get to break it? Because, well, we didn't really mean it because we don't, you know what I mean? Or do you control their policies? Then do you go in and say, we have to control your policies? So I don't mind so much that they should do their own defense. That's fine. But we, at the moment, the United States spends roughly half of the world's defense dollars so if NATO is going to ramp up their spending, I would hope that we would get to uh, let ours fall back a little bit. But I don't think that's going to happen. And then you got to wonder how much of this is just uh, you know, wealth redistribution from the taxpayer to the fe- defense companies, oil companies, big banks. So, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of that stuff because the numbers don't seem to make s- sense to me. I'm going to go to Maurice in Stone Mountain. Maurice, you are on with Monica. Hi there. Um, I don't know if you saw the article from The Hill about Biden um, back at the end of uh, the Obama administration being in Ukraine. And there's recordings of him bragging about how he forced uh, them to fire a prosecutor. 
I did uh, see that article and I saw yeah. I saw that little video and I was so turned off by it, Maurice, and I bet you you had the same uh cringy reaction, which was that guy in that video was clearly uh, a shill, a Western shill who opened by saying that the territory, we lost our territory, it wasn't right. I mean, surely you know the real story behind Ukraine. Yeah. Yes. So I was a little put off by that whole thing because if you listen to Victoria Newland's hidden audio, she talks about getting Biden to come over and seal the deal on the coup that took out the democratically elected president of Ukraine. And so I was looking for that when I clicked through on that article and I listened to the video and I didn't get what I wanted. So maybe that's confirmation bias. I don't know. But um, so what so so what did you think the smoking gun was in that? He got the prosecutor fired. But but isn't his benefit from Ukraine much greater than that with his son and everything? uh, Yeah, for sure. Well, it was his. I mean, the point being, it, it, it was uh, the prosecution was against his son or the company associated with his son. Um, I just thought that the, there's another probe, too, that's coming up, too, out of the Ukraine. Um, I just thought that was relevant. That's probably I mean, I think that Biden is a, gone, you know, for this reason and others. Uh, you bring up a great great point that I've been noticing more and more and more is that they're they're going nuts on this thing with Biden being creepy, which the video I saw was two years old already, and you could have probably made one 10 years ago. Right. And yet, and then he seems like this creepy guy, kind of like not that smart or whatever. And then, and then you see what's really going on. That payola, real um, bringing down countries for right. your own benefit. And you wonder, it's just like that story that we've talked about. I'm sure you've heard us talk about it time and time again about the new knowledge who wrote the report for the Senate on Russian bots being Russian bots attacking Roy Moore. And why doesn't I, I understand right. why CNN doesn't talk about that night and day, but why doesn't Fox News talk about that night and day? Why aren't they really talking about this thing with Biden, it, because because at the highest levels, it's like Operation Fast and Furious. They don't really want to tell you what's going on up there. Right. Well, so. uh, not to go too dark about it, but I mean, I think there's more to the children thing with Biden than is just meet, meeting uh, the eye there. Uh, you uh, know, y- 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 there are so many um, connections on the pedophilia stuff. Oh, this reminds me that I, I was somebody tweeted to me this little standalone article about Kirsten Gillibrand's father having Being connected been, to Nexium. Yes, and and yeah. so that and was, she is too. I think I think I heard she has a tattoo on her uh, belly. I, I, I'm I not read sure that, about but that. I don't know, but but that guy, I believe that his connection with Nexium, which was if I if I have it correctly it was a a a a sex slavery cult like people were arrested for that like and real famous yeah yeah real famous star say it again yeah uh famous star of smell uh smallville 
was right, uh, but it busted. but it was bankrolled by a real real rich. Oh yeah, Bonfman's. Yeah, her, the daughter. In fact, she. Claire. I mean, that's a whole story unto itself. I mean, she got a that's million got dollar yeah. bond put up for that right. because she was in so much trouble. And this is, but what I wasn't even going to mention that, except that Gillibrand. I was so. So for this show, I was just reading through all the people, all the big, big names who declared to run for president. And she was one of them. And her issue. And so everybody had like issues in this little article I was reading. And hers was about women's rights and sexual harassment and hashtag me too and coming after Trump on that. And I was like, what nerve? And in the article, of course, it doesn't say anything about that. Right. And it's in the record. This is a conspiracy theory. These are criminal cases. You know that Avenatti was involved in that case. In fact, uh, one of the defendants faded when Avenatti's name was brought up in trial. I mean, oh, it's so conv- convoluted. I don't remember uh, his. Uh, in, do you know what his engagement was in it, Avenatti? He was hired at one point during. Uh, for one of these defendants of Nexium. I mean, the other thing is that Jesse Smollett's lawyer starts with a G is involved in the Nexium trial too. Are, are, no, he's involved in getting uh, the Nike. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have to. I, I just want to clarify yeah. with the Nexium thing. Gillibrand's father was. Uh, uh, the article I read said that definitely the stepmother was in the cult. I think it said that the father was in the cult too, but his connection, why he's got um, financial or uh, legal dispute with them is that they didn't want to pay him for some legal work he did for them. So I encourage people to just try to get to the bottom of that. I didn't uh, do independent research. I read a couple of articles, but I would, when I read about Gillibrand and her, her uh, cause celeb, I would like to know a little bit more about what uh, I, I think it it exposes that there's stuff going on behind the scenes that doesn't even rise to the level of being talked about. So I know, I know. I I tell you, you know me for uh, deep rabbit hole stuff. I'll just throw this out as a really interesting and I believe true. I saw the interview of this young guy whose girlfriend was recruited in New Haven or something to go to a Nexium recruitment party back way back in you know before the the notoriety and he i mean this is surreal but he describes that the attendees were uh let's see uh wiener uh stormy daniels um uh wiener's wife uh you know yeah, Homer Abaddon. Right. And well, uh, that he was, you know, he, they forced him out when they did their thing. You know, it's, they do weird, you know, it's like, a, it's really, it was a mind control thing. Um, yes, it, I, I think that's true. I'm going to ask you, Maurice, I'm going to, I want to take another call before my break. I'm going to ask you to, if you, if you could tweet at me that video and that implication, because the Stormy Daniels thing to me, she's a very creative person, especially after Binkley gave us all that hidden audio of how she was running an operation in Florida of a political nature. 
but I don't think of her as a real big player like that. Anyway, I'd love to see the video. Thank you very much for bringing us down to the rabbit hole. I don't want to miss Mike, though. I think he's got something important to say. Mike and Jefferson, you are on with Monica. Uh, Monica, a couple things. Uh, it seems like if it is a level playing field that Trump would win, uh, it also seems like those converts that have swung over his way within the last six, eight months, according to the polls, are unlikely to be swayed back. Um, but the, it seems to me like the uh, election, the popular vote at least, is not going to be decided by so much of what people think of his policies. It seems like it's gonna, the uh, Democrats are going to gear it more to the, I don't want to offend any sixth graders, but to the sixth grade level. And uh, we, we, don't yet, we don't yet know the impact of all the immigrants that have come in, but Little things are happening. Like, you remember on the last two statewide elections, like the governor and the one before that, uh, a lot of outside money's coming here. And then within the last two months, we've heard that a, uh, the only other conservative, so to speak, uh, talk show in Atlanta has been bought out by a California um, religious organization that just operates strictly off of donations. So they're going to, in a major market, they're going to command now instead of 24-7 conservative people that you may be familiar with. This is your main, probably your main competitor in Atlanta. It's going to be someone else. And with the razor-thin margins that, uh, for this, to me, it seemed like it was razor-thin with Stacey Abrams, that could be enough uh, to swing the deal. And if they're doing that over the whole country, um, you know, it's, uh, we don't want to take anything for granted. Yeah, that's a good point. And I actually think that the way they do it, first of all, they can get the popular vote if they really want to. So if they care about that, just go into L.A. and New York, whatever, just gin that up and don't do it where it's not going to come out Democrat. And then they're so specific about what they target as far as the electoral college. I mean, you wouldn't really have to spread it that thin. Uh, you might you could get purple states but maybe even just flip flip states like they want to turn them blue doing just what you said just uh targeting from the outside so it is possible and then in which case i would think that it would that our uh, our troubles would not be over as far as antagonism is concerned i imagine that we're in for some some conflict conflicty days ahead let's uh let's Keep talking about this 800 WSB Talk 404-872-0750. You can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez. It's like everything I've been brought up to believe was all made of bull. On News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. So Mike is right. We should not take this election lightly, and I don't. And I think we were we were tapping into something that is going to be very important. It's if if they can flip. Purple slates, obviously, but if they can flip red states to blue, like here's a question for you. Do you think, I'll throw it out to the audience, do you think that if Stacey Abrams runs, she would win Georgia? 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Binkley, you were saying that Colorado, is that true? Like Colorado, are you sure if Colorado signed the pact? Yes, they did. The right, National so the, Popular Vote Interstate Pact Compact. And that's where you will put your electoral votes into, you'll wait until the popular vote is counted in the entire country, and then you will dedicate your electoral votes to that popular winner. 
That's correct. And they have to get 270 electoral votes to sign on to it. And they're at 70% of that right now. They have 15 states. Okay, so I, for me, I don't... It doesn't matter to me if all the blue states sign it, but Colorado is is really a purple state, yeah. right? Pretty much. So that's very serious indeed. Uh, let's let's keep this conversation going. Who do you think could really beat Trump? This is Monica Perez.